0: Uh, not only did over 1,300 of you say we're in by the purchasing of a Bible, you gave lots more than that for the purchase of Bibles, but uh, we're not going to tell you that amount because w- the big question was, will you join us in this vision for turning an unreached people group, red to green, to reach? So Jim introduced himself as an elder, and then you knew that because he called it a pew. Did you catch that? No no <laughs> offense, but that's... <laughs> Gave yourself away on that one. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> risky thing to say about my boss, right? <clears throat> but he—he uh, <clears throat> he said he's a part of this India initiative. Actually, Jim, very grateful for you. He has been our coordinator, the leader of this bill. Was what you might call the pretty face, using the term loosely. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, oh, come on. Uh, but Jim really has been the leader of this in our elder team. So grateful for that and grateful for you for what it means to be a part, just a little church here in Mandarin, being a part of what God is doing among the unreached peoples of there. So thanks for joining us in that. All right, let's turn in our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter six. We took that break last week to, to look at our India initiative, but we're going to return now to this final paragraph or two in the letter to the church there in Ephesus. And the point of this final admonition is for them to stand. I didn't come up with that. That's what the word says, The repeatedly, stand, to stand firm, to stand firm. And again, to stand doesn't mean to stay stationary. That's not what his goal is. He is saying, don't get knocked down. Don't get knocked out. Why? Because we have, and this is by way of review, we are at war against an unseen enemy who is always lying. He is the father of lies. When he's speaking, he's lying. And he's lying in order to make us useless and fruitless as children of God. He cannot reclaim our saved soul. But he can work in such a way as to knock us down, knock us out of being involved in what God intends to do through his children. So he is a liar seeking to make you and I, who are followers of Jesus, who are in Christ, useless and fruitless. So what do we do? We stand firm by being first strong in the Lord. It starts in verse 10. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his Might We are strong in the Lord with the armor of God. And that armor of God that we're going to look at piece by piece as we continue on begins with girding up your loins. That is being ready for attack by girding our loins with truth. That we need to be awake. Don't be asleep, be awake. There is a real enemy who is lying and seeking to render you useless and fruitless. So be ready, get that gird, your loins girded in the fact that there is a war and you won't be called off guard and you'll be sober, not drunk on this world. It's not just alcohol, it's this world. Not to be drunk on this world. And you be alert, ready for all that God has for you as children of God. So that is the first call to us. Stand by being ready so you're knocked down or out. Stand firm. Verse 14 is what we're going to look at now this morning. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, so having made yourself ready and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's what our attention is. We're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's simply what we are talking about. Probably all of you have seen some version of this for a soldier to place this on. Uh, we wouldn't wear those in current modern day. What would we put on now? What would we say? Our flak or our Kevlar. We would put something that would protect. This was their version of it. Well, why is this so important? First thing, after get ready with your loins girded with truth, put this on. Why? Yeah, to protect what? You're Protect your most vital organs. So it's essential that once we're ready, we recognize that we are most vulnerable in terms of as it relates to our righteousness and our testimony. So how do we put, on the breastplate of righteousness. It starts in maybe a strange way. Let me take you to what the prophet Isaiah says. He says, for all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, do what? Take us away. So to put on The breastplate of righteousness is to first acknowledge something about our our own righteousness. Not, Not the stuff that you go, oh man, I feel guilty about. The stuff that you're proud of. We need to recognize the stuff where we think we're doing well, we're doing good, we're actually being pleasing. And he says, what is it? It's like a filthy... Garment. So let me put this in the context of ready for battle. Imagine we get word. We're not going to war. We are at war. There's a real enemy who wants to take us out, and our vital organs are at risk. So you run and get your armor, and I run and get my armor. And I come back with my armor, and I am putting on my armor. And I go, all right, all right, if I can get it on here now i am ready what would you think what would you think you're an idiot you think you're an idiot you're going to die that's not going to protect you maybe you think because you have three crosses or something like this it's your favorite shirt or you feel like comfortable is this going to protect me no no this will not protect me now None of us would be confused with, well, will this, won't this, I don't know, maybe. We would all know without a shadow of doubt that this would not protect me in war. And yet, across this entire world and make it smaller, the people that live on your street and work at your workplace think When they stand before God, it's going to come down to their best garments, their righteousness. You go, really? You think that? Yeah. Just ask somebody who believes in heaven. How do you think you're going to do it? I did not killed anybody. Which is great. Happy to hear that. But is that really the standard? In their mind, it is. In their mind, the standard is this. And you need to know this. Because some of you actually still think this. It's about what I do for God. The good things I do and the bad things that I don't do. It's what's going to get me in. It's the guy who says to me on his birthday... Well, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm getting better, Doug. I don't cuss near like I used to cuss. And I used to kind of ignore my kids, and I'm doing better. What's he doing? He thinks his righteousness, the right he does and the wrong he avoids, is going to be what saves him, what protects him. And the reality... This, if we are going to put on the righteousness of Christ, the breastplate of righteousness, it begins by admitting the worthlessness of my own. I have to admit the worthlessness of my own. This was the biggest, biggest stumbling block <clears throat> for the Jewish people that Jesus interacted with. They thought, It was the keeping of the law that would make them righteous. They thought it was who they were as descendants of Abraham that would be that which saved them. And he said, No. The law was intended to lead you to Christ, the law was intended to realize, for you to realize, the worthlessness of your capacity to keep it. So it starts with, I can never be good enough. I can never resolve my own guilt. I put on the breastplate of righteousness by admitting the worthlessness of my own righteousness. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on by believing for Christ also died for sins once for all the just for the unjust, what we declared this morning in song, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit, that he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He himself took the wrath that you and I deserve. Who deserves the wrath of God here this morning? Every single person deserves the wrath of God. Why? <laughs> Because of the filthiness of our very best. Not the filthiness of our wrong, the filthiness of our best. We deserve the wrath of God, but He Himself took the wrath for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. This is why we're saying we're going to take the gospel to the Shamar people of Sikh persuasion in Punjab. Because he took their wrath like he took my wrath, like he took your wrath. To put on the breastplate of righteousness is what? <laughs> Worthless my righteousness. But to believe in the substitutionary death of Jesus, to believe that he died in my place. The penalty. For sin that I needed to pay, he paid it. He stood in my place. He died in my place. The substitutionary death of Jesus. Now, can I have your eyes, please? That's good news that Christ died in my place to take the penalty for my sin. But the death of Jesus did more than take my sin. Yes. Second Corinthians. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. That's the substitutionary death. So that we might become the righteousness, not of myself, not of my best works, but the righteousness of God in Christ. So, to put on the breastplate of righteousness is to go, this will never save me. It can't save me. I'll never be good enough. But Christ has paid my penalty, not only to forgive me, but also to do what? To give me his righteousness. When I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I am receiving the imputed the granted, the given righteousness of Christ. So that when God now looks at me, he not only sees that my sin has been paid for, that my guilt has been forgiven, that the decree of debt against me was nailed to the cross, that my sin is over and done, but he doesn't see a blank slate. What's he see? The righteousness of Christ, now upon me. It is the great exchange. (laughs) I give him my sin and my guilt, and he gives me his righteousness. How good is that? So when I put on the breastplate of righteousness, don't think, oh, I'm putting on my best works. I'm putting on my best effort." I am putting on what Christ gave me when he not only paid my debt, but imputed to me himself. So, a man named Ian Thomas, major influence in my life, gives these two phrases that I hope you'll commit to memory. The life he lived, speaking of Jesus, the life he lived qualified him for the death he died. You know what that means? The life he lived, qualified him for the death he died, simply means this. He was only qualified to die the death he died because he was sinless. The sinless life of Jesus is a necessity for the substitutionary death of Jesus. If Jesus was not without sin, that's just not a nice little fact about Jesus. The fact that he was without sin is the only way that he could take your sin and my sin. Because if he had sinned, then he could not be a substitute. He'd have his own guilt to deal with. The sinless life of Jesus is the basis for the substitutionary death of Jesus. The life he lived qualified him for the death he died. You follow? But it doesn't stop there. The death he died qualifies you to live the life he lived. This is the beauty of the full gospel. The death he died qualifies me to live the life he lived. And the life he lived was a righteous life. Do you see it? See, when I put on, excuse me, when I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I'm not only being one who has been forgiven I'm one who has been made righteous. I am in Christ now able by the power of the Spirit to live a new life. Maybe some of you will be able to say this out loud with me. I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The Spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. I was quick for I know I was like, oh, "Can we try again?" Sure. I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. The life he lived qualified him for the death he died and the death he died qualifies you to live the life he lived. So do you have a testimony? going to invite the band up because we're actually going to pause for a moment here and respond to the gospel. As we respond to the gospel, here's really what I mean. Every person has a testimony, right? A testimony meaning, what do you believe? (laughs) And some would say, well, I believe I'm going to be okay. I haven't killed anybody. Some would say, I believe I'm going to be okay. I've believed in God my entire life. I've always been a Christian. Friends, no one has always been a Christian. Jesus would say to you, if you think, I've always been a Christian, look, Jesus would say to you, you must be born again. You must admit you were not one who followed God, loved God, or pleased God. You must admit, your best was filthy before a holy God. No one was always a Christian. I've always gone to church. My parents were in the church. If that's your testimony, you're trying to wear this to war. That will not protect you. Our testimony is what? My righteousness is worthless. But Jesus died a substitutionary death to pay my penalty and give me his righteousness. So you have the elements for the Lord's Supper. I want to invite you to take them out. If you need some, put your hands up. Guys will come. Over north, that'd be the same. These are new to you. There's a clear cellophane on top. Take that off. There's a wafer there. It's to remind us of the sinless life of Jesus. Unleavened bread. And then the foil. Take that off. Reveal the juice. And it's what? The symbol of the substitutionary blood of Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity. Then Matt's going to teach us a song, my testimony. I want to give you an opportunity to either declare for the first time or to declare again to the Lord. I admit my sin. I admit what I deserve. I believe in Jesus. And I receive his righteousness. The breastplate of his righteousness. I'll give you a quiet moment. I invite you to bow your head. If you thought, well, I've always been a Christian, are you thinking, I'm trying to do better, trying to live a better life, and I think God's going to take notice? I want to invite you. Admit the foolishness of that, the worthlessness of that, And declare you believe in the substitutionary death of Jesus on your behalf. Place your faith in him that he might give you what you desperately need the righteousness of Christ. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for taking our penalty, removing our guilt, and for making us new. We take now in remembrance of you, our Savior. Take with me. Let's stand and let's learn this song together. My testimony.
1: He saw Satan fall like lightning, and he saw darkness run for cover, but oh, the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven, and I believe in signs and wonders, I have resurrection power. in heaven so my praise be lost to you forever this is my testimony
0: So, that's not all the song because that's not all the story. That's just the start of the story. What did we just declare? The God who started is going to finish the work. So, have a seat. We're going to talk about God continuing his work in us as his children. See, when we share our testimony, it starts with that part where God opened my eyes and opened your eyes to the fact that my righteousness is worthless and I understood that Jesus paid my penalty and I received his righteousness. That's the beginning of my testimony, but that's not the entirety of my testimony. God is continuing to do his work. You see, part of my testimony is this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So once you trusted in Jesus and received the righteousness of Christ in him, you lived perfectly. (laughs) No. Close to perfect. No. You were just the same old person. No. No. You were a new person, but you had to learn to live a new life. Because I was once single, and then in July of 1986, I got married, and I went from single to the perfect husband. (laughs) My wife's in Fruit Cove yelling now. no! Hey, a wedding will get you married. But then you got to learn to be married. Right? Yeah, Yeah, and if you don't learn to be married, uh, it stinks to be your spouse. (laughs) Really. We get married and we learn to be married. We get made righteous through Christ and only through Christ. But then we learn to live righteously. So watch. The breastplate of righteousness, do not get this confused, the breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness of Christ, our testimony that we are in him and made new by him. And it is the new life I live because I have been made righteous. There's a chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 6, that simply asks this question. Hey, if we are saved by God's grace, why not just continue to live like we always live and grace will be made even greater? And the writer says, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And all of us could go, well, I can show you how. <laughs> I've died to sin and still live in it, but we are not intended to continue to live in it. And so it says in Romans chapter six, therefore do not, because you have died to sin, that the spirit of God now lives in you to become an instrument through which God does his work. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Do not go on presenting the members of your body. What's he talking about? Your eyes, your mind, your hands, your mouth, your feet. Don't go on presenting those members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Why? Because you've been made new. You have been given the righteousness of Christ. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Do you get it? You have been made new, made righteous, Now, this body, which no longer belongs to me, but it belongs to the one who paid and bought it, now becomes the vessel, the instrument through which his thoughts would be thought. And I would see now with his eyes because I'd present my eyes to him. And eyes presented to him would now look at things that I didn't used to look at and wouldn't look at things that I used to look at these hands would engage in things that I didn't used to do and not engage in things that I used to do. Why? Because I have been made righteous. Do not mix this up. I do not do these things to become righteous. I do these things because I have been made righteous. But I need to learn to live. I must learn to live righteously as I have been made righteous. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in. In him. It was only by the righteousness of Christ that I could become righteous and it's only through Christ that I can learn to live righteously. So I learned to live righteous. Why does that matter? Yeah, because watch. My testimony is not only that Christ saved me Not only that Christ made me new, but my testimony is now, as I live on my street and you live on your street, and as you go to work, your testimony is now, not only that you have been forgiven and made new, but that you live a new life. You speak new words. You think new thoughts. You relate in new ways. You love people you didn't used to love. You forgive as you have been forgiven. Because your testimony is I've been changed. I'm a new person. And it's not just a word, it's a life. A testimony, a righteous life is an impactful life. Jesus says, in fact, I don't want you to just read it. I want you to turn, if you have a Bible in front of you, turn with me to Matthew chapter five. And you'll see why in a minute I want us to turn there. Matthew chapter five. Jesus is gonna explain why, <clears throat> why, It's important that we learn to live righteously. He says, you are the light of the world. Not you should be the light of the world, but you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, you don't turn on a light and then put it away. Well, some of us, you've been that guy who turned on your flashlight and your phone then you put it in your pocket and then there's this like little white shining through and people are like, you got your phone on. Like, oh, that's awkward. But that's not why we turn a light on. We turn a light on to see. You are the light of the world because God is light and his spirit dwells in you. You are light. And you are light in order that you would make visible who God is and what God is like. You are light and you were meant, watch, you were meant to be seen. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but on the lampstand. You know, you put it up so it gives light. It gives light to all who are in the house. Watch. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and go from non-glorifiers to glorifiers. We live as we have been made righteous because when we live righteous life, people see God through us And don't glorify us, they glorify him. See, you really know, you really know if you're living a righteous life, if people are impressed with God and not with you. It's pretty easy in our present day to live lives that people go, oh, you're awesome. But a righteous life causes people to go, God's awesome. They glorify your Father in heaven because he is the light that makes you the light. So you can imagine, as I'm connecting this to putting on the breastplate of righteousness, not only the righteousness imputed imputed to me by Christ, but the, the breastplate of the righteousness of a new life, I'm thinking, all right, so what are the good works that people should see? And you might immediately go in your head, oh, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. Or you might think, James 1, pure and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans. You know, that's, that's what we're talking about. And I started making my list. And then, and this is a little, a little embarrassing to admit, I actually had a new thought. Maybe Jesus had something in mind when he said Matthew five fourteen. Maybe he was already identifying the good works he had in mind. So I flipped to Matthew 5 because I knew verse 16 by heart and then I was like, okay, let me remind myself. What did he just talk about? And if you're there, what did he just talk about? He had just talked about be light. Yeah, that, that light would be, and the light would be your good works. And he had just said before that, be salt. Same idea, different image. And just before that, He had given what you and I would call the Beatitudes. And I suddenly realized when Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine, that they would see your good works, that he wasn't just shooting from the hip. He was actually referring to the things he had just identified. I didn't need to come up with my own list Jesus had just given me the list. Now, how many of you like lists? Yeah. The rest of you don't like accountability, right? Just, you know, just, just playing. You're ready to have a list. Ah. Some of us like lists because then it allows us to judge you, and other of us don't like lists because we don't like accountability. So there's always a dark side, right? Jesus gives a list here. When he says, She your good works. I don't need to figure out what he's talking about. He already said what he's talking about. Here, are the oh, <clears throat> sorry. God, I hate it when I do that. <clears throat> he had said, A righteous life's an impactful life. In other words, when you see your good works there, glorify your Father in heaven. You'll make an impact. Your testimony matters. And the good works he has in mind are these Blessed are the poor in spirit. That'll make people glorify God. That's weird. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Live that life and people will see Righteousness, not just a righteousness declared, but a righteousness lived out. So, if I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, it's not mine, it's Christ. And it's unremovable. It's one of those deals where he clasps it on, and you know, the clasp is right there where you can't. I'm I'm back. Woo! No more jumping on stage. All right. <laughs> Awkward. <clears throat> Especially as where in the world am I? Oh, the Beatitudes. So when Jesus says you want to live a life that will cause people to glorify me, you don't need to make your own list. Here's the list. First, to be poor in spirit is to go, I admit I need a Savior. I, I admit my sin. And this is so counterintuitive. Because you know what, you, uh, let me let the, you write that down. And then I, I want to make sure you do not miss this. We have convinced, okay, can I have your eyes We have convinced ourselves that the way we impact this world is we live perfect lives. And when we don't, we cover it up because they need to see a perfect life. That's called pride. And we will never turn people to the Lord by our perfection and our pride. We will by our humility and our honesty we're a lot better at trying to act perfect than we are about being honest. Friends, never be afraid to admit your sin. Everybody knows you sin. Nobody's confused. If you think, oh, Doug, you're the pastor because you don't sin, that is not why I'm the pastor. I sin. And I hope you would say, and Doug, I've heard you readily from this stage admit your sin. As a husband, as a dad, as a neighbor. Why? Because that points to a forgiving, gracious God. And our world does not need perfect people. Our world needs a gracious, forgiving God. So stop Living fake lives and denying your sin and acting proud and perfect. We're not. What will connect to your neighbor will be honesty. Now, I'm not saying it's, oh, go sin. I don't need you to tell that. You do that, fine. It's to admit that we need humbly a Savior because we sin. Blessed are the poor and spoor- poor in spirit. Why? Theirs is the kingdom of God. It's where it starts. Poor in spirit, admitting our sin. I'm going to have to go through these a little more quickly. They grieve, but with hope. I regret that I grew up with a mindset that either you grieve or you believe. If you were grieving loss, if you were grieving, then you weren't believing. That is not biblical. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, We grieve as ones with hope. We grieve and we believe. See, it's legitimate when friends that we love die that we grieve. It's legitimate when marriage is in this congregation, crumble and break and divide, that we grieve. And we believe that God can heal and God can restore and that there is life after this life. See, we believe, but let's not think that somehow we must be people who don't grieve in order for a watching world to think we believe. We grieve with hope. We're strong, but under control. That is, blessed are the gentle. Gentle, meek, are not weak. They're strong, but that is strength under control, under the control of the Spirit. We have an appetite for good. We're hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So, does our testimony matter? Does our testimony matter? Yeah. So, so just ask yourself, the people in your life, what do they think you're hungry for? Now, every one of us has to go, what's my testimony? What am I hungry for? What do people experience me as hungry for? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're merciful, merciful. Regrettably, we need to own this church. Mostly we're known as judgmental, not merciful. Think about that judgmental, not merciful. Now, I'm not denying that there is absolute truth, and truth does bring judgment. Sir, mercy. When you think of someone who is enslaved in sexual sin, do you judge them? Do you feel mercy for them? That it is, it's ruining their life. So you hurt for them. Mercy steps in and helps. Judgment stands back and condemns. And a testimony that will cause people to go, God is awesome. It's the testimony of those who have received mercy, giving mercy. They have pure motives. Next chapter, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to go at length to say, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, you can do it in ways that will cause people to go, wow. You are so generous. Man, uh, you you pray awesome. You can do good stuff to get human applause. And Jesus says, that's where it's going to stop. But what's a righteous life do? A righteous life causes people to glorify God. Because when you do things not for applause, but do it in secret so that God applause, that causes people to glorify God. A God worthy of that sort of devotion and love. <clears throat> they make peace, not trouble. <laughs> not trouble, peace. It's the heart of Jesus, right? Who came to make peace us and God. So we make peace. A righteous life, the righteousness of Christ that we have been made positionally begins to be lived out in a manner that we are peacemakers. Firm convictions. Now, why do I say firm convictions? Because the text says that you are Verse 10, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Everybody's committed to do good until it costs something. And then you go, how committed am I? I don't say this with joy. I say it with sobriety. Our day is coming, church, where our convictions are going to get revealed. What we really stand for is going to get revealed because for years and, and decades of doing it because we believe it makes us better, our convictions are going to cost us something in the years to come. And verse 10 of Matthew 5 is going to get proven out in our lives. And the righteous who stand for right even when it costs People may not agree, but they'll see the Lord in it. And then it goes one step further and says, joyful in it. Not just firm conviction in it, but joyful in it. Why? Because I am getting to share in Christ's likeness in a new way. See, we talk about sharing in Christ-likeness, but most of us haven't shared in Christ-likeness in the manner that we have been persecuted for righteousness, and he was. So there is a joy to be shared in that. Now again, whether you like a list or not, saw lots of you writing it down. Jesus gave this to us. And then said, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. A light is lit to be seen. Let your life be seen. Let your good works be seen. Not because it will make you righteous, but because you have been made righteous. The breastplate of righteousness is our testimony that we went from death to life and now are Living a new life. And we put it on. We put the breastplate of righteousness on. Because we recognize if we don't, we won't be saved. Only he can save us. And once we're saved, if we don't wear it, people won't glorify our Father who is in heaven. Our testimony is central to gospel advance. Did you hear that? Our testimony. What you're known for at your work. What you're known for in your neighborhood. What you're known for in your family. Is central to gospel advance. Either you give credence. By the life you live. To the God who has forgiven you. Or you confirm. Confirm the suspicions and accusations of a watching world, that church people are just judgmental hypocrites. Our testimony matters. So, there's more to the song, I told you. We're going to sing it. But don't just get ready to sing. Ask yourself. You remember, uh, I see you watching the band. Can I have your eyes here? It's like, ooh, look at them wall. (laughs) How many of you remember the classic, This Little Light of Mine? I will bless you and not sing it. This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it hide it under a? No. No. Okay, look at the nine right now before we sing. Look at the nine. You've written them down. What's under a bushel? What's being hidden? Mercy? Admission of sin? What's being hidden? Pure motive? All of us are hiding our righteousness in some way. And so, Lord, we don't want to just close and sing a song. We pause in this moment, Lord, and we invite you to, by your Spirit, reveal where you have made us light, but we are not living in that light. Where good works are absent, where they're actually selfish. And would you, Lord, by your grace, continue and complete what you have begun in Christ. Let's stand and sing together.
1: Come together, sons and daughters Bought with blood and washed in water of the spirit son and father our god will finish what he started yes our god will finish what he started this is my testimony from today and he did obviously he's given us today then he has a purpose for us he is not done using us so let's go and let's present our members as instruments of righteousness that others would see and glorify our lord he's given us the power to do it the strength to do it let's walk in confidence and let's do it and hope we'll see you next time hope you have a blessed day god bless